What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Creative Hustle Podcast. My name is Brendan. It's been a little bit since I've been on the show doing a solo interview. But uh, first things first, as always, big shout out to our boy Cabby96 for the fire intro and outro beats. You can find them here on SoundCloud if you're listening on SoundCloud or on Instagram at Cabby96. Super nice guy, always supports us. You know, really big shout out to him. I'm joined here today by a special guest. His name is Sagar. He's a good friend of mine. We've been friends since... I feel like SK. SK or grade, at least grade, at least grade four. Yeah, definitely grade four. But every time I tell you the story, you like never remember that we've met at SK. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. But, you know, really excited to have you on the show. Uh, I guess I'll let you uh, talk about yourself in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, what we'll do right now. What's up? And uh, tell us about yourself. Awesome. So thanks for having me on again. Um, so, yeah, so I'm a consultant at Accenture. Um, I've been working now for about 18 months, um, so I'm tired always, perpetually. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I'm just happy to be here. I don't really know where to go with that. Yeah. Okay. No, that's uh, that's great. But uh, I guess yeah. So like one thing that we really do talk a lot about sure. on the podcast and a lot of the stuff that we really really uh, kind of get at is you know being creative, hustling mm-hmm. on the side you know, putting in work and doing things kind of outside of your profession. So people that we've, professions that we've jokingly made fun of, accountants, um, another profession that comes to mind as well is also accountants. But, uh, (laughs) you know, from like a consulting perspective and things like that, and and personally, like from my perspective, being someone who's going into law and, you know, obviously being really busy most of the time, right? Like work, taking up more than just the nine to five. What, you know, what do you do outside of work? Like what takes up? prior to nine or if you start at work at something like eight or seven thirty before sure, yeah. that and what happens after like what what are you like all about what do you like to do outside of actually doing work mm-hmm. when you can sure so when i'm not traveling when i'm kind of working locally i have a, a bit more set schedule so in the morning i'll try to go to the gym um, before work uh, depending you know where i'm traveling to uh, locally and then when i come back from work generally it's another uh, either a workout um, i find that really helps de-stress or a painting. I paint a miniature models. Uh, I don't know if any of your listeners know. It's called Warhammer, uh, Warhammer 40K. I paint those. I don't play the game, but I just find it really relaxing to kind of, you know, have something where I can control and, and paint. Um, and then I'll obviously a little bit of video games on the side. Yeah, if there's time classic. at the end of the day. Um, I find now as the older I get, I'm happier to get sleep sometimes than to stay up late playing video games. But if there's time, you know, then. There's always that. No, yeah, it's definitely a shout out to the to the good old days when we used to like. <laughs> yeah. I remember we got like Dead Space, Dead Space three, three, and it was like two weeks. I was of just like, yeah, nonstop co op gaming, <laughs> trying to beat the thing and being scared mindless. But uh, yeah, like, so why do you think it's important? I guess for someone who works mm. in in a profession and is super busy all the time, sure. why is it important to have something outside mm. of work rather than let's say just go back, you know, go back home either just watch YouTube. Although YouTube, I think, could be pretty useful, right? Like yeah, you're learning different YouTube tutorials or, or, yeah. or something that really engages your brain. Like cooking stuff yeah. or like, uh, you know, I guess in this case, painting stuff for us, mm-hmm. photography. Why do you think it's important to kind of like have that other hobby that isn't just like mindlessly watching TV or just like lying on the couch and really doing nothing? I find like that actually having a hobby, you're able to set yourself some goals for when you get back from work. So instead of saying, okay, I'm just going to get back from work and just... You know, people say, I'm going to de-stress. Well, what does that mean? Are they just going to lie in front of the TV for another 
you know, two hours. And then they say, I don't really have time to do anything. Right. But if I don't generally like to take that downtime. So when I come home, I already have my plan as to what I want to do. So my hobbies give me a way to stay off the couch, stop, stop my brain from disengaging because as soon as you turn it off, it's really difficult to kind of say, okay, I'm going to get back up off this couch. I'm going to go do something because you're already in that mode where it's like, this is just, I'm just killing time between um, being back from work and bed. Uh, But this way, you know, with my hobbies, whether it's, um, I watch a lot of Patreon videos on how to paint and learning new new skills um, or working out. Anything I'm doing is keeping me active and really making sure that I can structure my evening instead of just having dead time. Yeah. So I guess what does a what does a typical day look for you mm-hmm. then from like what time you get up and at the time you go to bed? Sure. Yeah. So a local day would be I probably get up around six, six thirty, um, generally just shower, maybe have breakfast, uh, get on the train, get to work. So I get to work around eight thirty, nine o'clock, depending. Um, and then, you know, just regular work day till around five thirty six. Um, sometimes it goes a little bit longer, but we keep that under wraps because we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and then. Uh, yeah, so when I get back, it would generally be uh, just going straight to the gym for about an hour, hour and a half, and then dinner. And then if I have time, um, I would paint or video games, but sometimes there's a little bit of work to do after. Um, but I always try to make at least an hour and a half to do something that I want yeah. in the evening because that, that gives me something to look forward to, and it kind of keeps the anxiety from the day you know, contained. For sure, yeah. And I think, so when you go to the gym and stuff like that, how important is fitness to you in your daily routine? I guess mm-hmm. like in terms of your like your lifestyle and stuff like that. And how much would you kind of recommend that to other people mm-hmm. either going into professions or if you were to look at it from like an entrepreneurial perspective mm-hmm. to like work that into their day? Yeah, I think fitness is incredibly important just in terms of it keeps your mind active. It keeps your body active and that and study a lot of studies have shown that that actually does help with concentration with the ability to critical think and and just to stay you know well well-minded um so i i think everybody should make at least 30 35 minutes a day even if it's just getting up and walking or taking the stairs at the office once in a while it's just a it's just a way to keep yourself feeling good because i noticed you know if i don't work out then i start to feel tired and then the next day you're like okay you know, I didn't do it this week, so maybe I'll start next week or I'll start next week. And then you kind of fall into this It's pattern. like next month and then you're like, yeah. well, what, next year? And then it's like... <laughs> and it's like it never happens. And Two then, decades and later then, has then it Every started, day yeah. you're feeling bad, right? Every day yeah. you don't do it, you're just like, oh, I should have gone. But I didn't. And then you kind of feel bad about yourself. But then the next year, you're like, well, what's the difference, right? What's an extra day? Yeah. So it becomes sure. like a cycle. Yeah, it's like a kind of like that snowball effect where mm. it's like really small and then towards the end, it's huge. I mean, so for, for you, I guess, when you do paint as well, mm. where do you find like the creativity from? So like I, to give a little background, I think both of us at one point really went through like Warhammer 40k stuff. It's like an insight into, I guess, like how much a nerd I kind of can be. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I still read the books, love them. They're great pieces of fiction and stuff like that. But when you paint those and things mm. like that, when you come up for like color scheme for models, when you come out for... Um, painting schemes and how you build them and shape them and things like that mm-hmm. where do you get that creativity from like do you take inspiration from the universe do you take inspiration from other places as well and how do you kind of work that into your end product and the stuff that you create sure yeah so i mean a lot of it does come from the lore or from the fiction of the warhammer 40,000 universe so just kind of reading stuff and you're like hey that'd be a cool idea maybe i can try out this color palette or I can try to make, you know, this model. But often it just comes from playing around with different uh, pieces that I have or looking online. Um, 
a lot of it also comes from like real world inspiration. So you think of like, okay, like World War One, uh, uniforms look cool. So maybe I can try to do something with that. So it's really just any kind of references. And it keeps me researching and, you know, trying to look for new ways to kind of express my ideas. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I always found for me when I, when I used to do it back in the day, like, I don't know, this was like, like five, 10, ten years ago, ten years something ago, like that. Yeah. yeah. When I used to like do it, it would definitely only be like just lore driven. Like mm. they had these like little books back in the day where it would be like a painting guides or like in the Warhammer universe, because it's called codexes. So like you would just look at them oh, and they yes, would have like yeah. a, oh, like you would paint this part blue, this part gold, sure, this yeah. part red, this part gray Green or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was. And then eventually like you kind of think like maybe it'd look cool, like just all black or like whatever i guess i, n- I never really got to that i kind of sure, like did sure, like yeah. a couple and then i never really yeah. i mean it's like with photography sometimes it's just a lot of experimentation yeah and just eventually like you find these some techniques may work for some people and you try it but it doesn't you know it doesn't really jive with you the way that i paint so then i try something else or i try to like um combine techniques often for me because of my work schedule it's how to paint things at a well at a nice standard but faster yeah um time management stuff exactly because i built up a lot of backlog i have a i go through cycles at work sometimes it's less busy sometimes it's more busy so i get excited in my less busy times and i start to think that i'm gonna have a little bit more time than i do um you know like i buy a little bit more than i should and then i try to paint it and (laughs) then i realize okay i have to go back to work now and so it's all about kind of optimizing that so so what do you think then like in terms of optimizing it in terms of being creative either Mm -hmm. at work or after work how do you maximize your time Mm -hmm. with your busy schedule like with getting even though you get up early with working long hours potentially i guess depending on the day going to the gym still needing to get sleep how do you work in time to like think about creativity be creative or come up with these different ideas for either painting Mm -hmm. or like other routines and stuff like that. Sure, and sometimes it's just, you know, that, you know, the train ride in the morning, looking at things on Facebook or Instagram, or just sitting and thinking, um, you know, just taking the downtime instead of, I mean, I see people watching TV and things on the train. I generally either try to read a book or, or yeah, just do some thinking. Um, even for lunchtime, if uh, sometimes we have to eat at our desk. So that's a time, you know, if you're not socializing with coworkers, because you can't, you're at your desk. So then that's yeah. a time to kind of just be like, Okay, I'll look up something I want to read about or look at. So it's just trying to fit it in whenever you can. For sure. Right. Yeah, I think that's always important. Like, I think to me, I loved taking the subway, not because mm. of the subway, but it was a good time to read. Like, I never get a chance to read yeah. outside of that anyways. Like, I'm, I'm rarely ever just, like, home reading Yeah, exactly. as much as I would like to. But, like, on the subway, it's, like, you know, 30, 40 minutes a day, mm. one direction, right? So, like, an hour, maybe hour and a half, depending on how shitty the ttc decides yeah, yeah. to be that day um to actually like, get get time to read right like i never sure. get to like look at that kind of stuff um but how important like so some people might sleep okay right would you rather if you're on the train or on the subway sleep mm-hmm. or would you rather think about being creative or think about um you know reading or catching sure. up on stuff and why so i think i mean there's there's two kind of two aspects to that the first one is I'm afraid to fall asleep on transit. Yeah. Namely because I know I'll miss my stop and I've done it before. Um, but I also just find that that's a nice time to really not be at the beck and call of your cell phone or your computer. I mean, I'm out of office when I'm on a train or I'm in the subway. Nobody's expecting me to respond. So that's a good time to get reading and thinking done. Um, and I find it's kind of relaxing because when you do drive, sometimes it's an hour and a half one way. 
but your mind just kind of turns off for the drive and yeah. the stop and go traffic. Yeah. But you're more aware of your surroundings on transit. So I, I generally don't like to sleep while I'm um, commuting. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's like, I don't know, it depends on the day for me sometimes, sure. right? Like you get, like you had a really late night or something like that and you're just like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to, I'm going mean, to You just out zone out and you just kind of like slide, like sit there in the chair, just like relaxing. Yeah, for right. sure. No, absolutely. And so how important do you think that is though, to getting your day started? Sure. I, I think, you know, if you're feeling, if you're feeling like today, today's just not your day to be creative and you just want to take a break, it's, it's always good to know your limits and to know when, you know, your mind just can't take anymore. Sometimes when you're busy at work, yeah, I, I won't paint for days because it's just, there's no point in trying to push through something that has really, it's not making your quality of life any better right that that little bit extra creative time should be creative time not you trying to force yourself to be creative because it's not my full-time job and i don't want to start regretting or or getting stressed about things that i should be enjoying yeah no 100 percent. i think that's true like i think a lot of people kind of live that mantra they're like you know as much as for me i think i say i i don't want any time to be like dead time mm. and in that sense it's like i don't want any time to just be like sitting there watching netflix just for the sake of watching netflix but i think it's different an aspect where if you're you know thinking about creativity doing other things but you're still taking that time to like recharge yeah rewire i think that's different right like people who always sit there and like you know maybe being creative is the way that they recharge and like kind of like without actually going to sleep but for other people where it's like, oh, I just want to be learning something all the time. Go, go, go without taking the breaks that you need to take the break like for, right? Like for mental health reasons or mm. for pure like, you know, biological, psychological reasons. I feel like that's almost detrimental. Like, Have you ever experienced that being actually detrimental? Yeah, I mean, I do know, you know, when I, um, I guess a while back, when I started to get really busy at work, I, I was trying to fit in, you know, Okay, I'll go to the gym. I'll come back, play some video games. But it's, by the time you're done everything, it's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And it's not sustainable. You can do it for, you know, short periods of time, which is fine, right? So a little bit of painting, a little bit of video games after work, just trying to say, I'm going to set a goal and get to it. But it shouldn't just be something that you're driving to perpetually because, yeah, you'll exhaust yourself. And at the end of the day, if you do have a job, your primary task should and focus should be you know, performing your best at work. Yeah. So I always keep that as my focus is if I ever notice that, you know, that I'm nodding off in meetings or something, I'll, I'll adjust my creativity schedule accordingly. Yeah. Now, does that ever affect your fitness schedule or do you see those two mutually exclusive things? So fitness, I always make sure that I have time for that. But no, I do notice work will affect that a lot. And that's when, well, that's when work does become frustrating because I find that fitness is the only thing that, you know, you don't feel bad if you miss a day of creativity because you just couldn't do it. Right? Yeah. You don't have time. But for, for the, the gym is often, you know, it's not that you don't have time. You're too tired after work. Or there's just, you know, there's just some other factor that got into your day that kind of like hit it. So I, I treat them as kind of too mutually exclusive. So how do you keep, and, and you, you know, you were saying things yeah. like walking to work, taking the stairs, mm-hmm. like making that time. What do you say to the people who say, I don't have time in my, in my day to sure. do fitness? And how, how do you think they could find time in their day to do fitness? Sure. And I, I guess, you know, that always depends. I talk to a lot of people say, oh, I don't have time to, like, I could never paint. I don't have time. Or I don't have time for video games. But when you ask them what they do, it's, okay, well, they're watching cooking tutorials. Or they're watching, um, they're just watching TV. Or they're going out with friends. And I say to those people, well, those are your hobbies, right? There's always something that you can do. But 
sometimes you have to sacrifice a little bit. So instead of going out with friends for the whole time, you like, you know you excuse yourself early and hit the gym, or you go do something that you need to stay physically active. So I think it's more about people often put fitness last and say, if I have time, I'll do this. Instead of saying, I do have time, I need to make time to do this. Right. Right. I mean, you can stay up late to work, but I'm sure everybody has at least 45 minutes in their day to do something active. Yeah. Well, not every day, but at least twice, three times a week. For right? sure. Yeah. Uh, with entrepreneurs, obviously, it gets a bit difficult because their schedules are a bit more fluid. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, you know, that's just part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. I yeah. think that they just have to then motivate themselves to say, you know, if you do have a free hour, just go to the gym or For do sure. something active. It doesn't need to be every day. It doesn't need to be a routine thing. But when you have the time, don't just say, I'm going to sit down and, you know, just, you know, watch TV. Awesome. Yeah. And so yeah. one thing we've also been talking about, so I'm going to switch, switch subjects really quickly, kind of like going back a little bit more to mm. the entrepreneur side of stuff. Yeah. Um, one thing we've really been talking about and kind of like looking at slash emphasizing is how important do you think like school has been to your career and how and what do you think like you've taken away from it or what it's taught you? Like the position and the stance that I guess Max and I have talked about on this pod has kind of been it's great in a sense that it kind of gets you in the right mindset and thinking about certain things. But at the same time, it really doesn't teach you too much. It doesn't teach you like the actual um hard skills that sure. you would obviously just learn right on the job right and, yeah. and things like that have you found that that's very similar for you or a different experience i think it's it's been a bit of both i know school i mean university and school they teach you to do one thing and that's be a good employee right there's no course that teaches you to be an owner or a leader or even a manager really right at the end of the day all that's gained through experience so i think that it's helped me with the skills that I need to do my day-to-day -day job. But when you have to go above and beyond in your role in terms of interacting with people, understanding their stresses, understanding compassion, and really the leadership side of it, I find that's more just gained through experience. Because technical skills are easy to kind of get through school. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what school is for. But the actual soft skills and the ability to learn and be curious and all that, that comes kind of from the personal side of things yeah okay right. awesome and like when you're talking about those like skills and being a good employee you mm. mean like kind of like the work ethic the showing up on time being organized stuff like that yeah like yeah showing up on time deferring to leadership deferring to the teacher um accepting feedback just kind of getting you in the mindset that you're working for something bigger right yeah. you know there's not one class that doesn't provide feedback or that doesn't provide that doesn't make us hungry for somebody to give us you know some sort of report on what we're doing yeah. Right. As sure. an entrepreneur, you don't often get that. Yeah. As a leader, you don't get that because the only feedback you're getting is either you're losing money or your, you know, your business fails. Yeah, for sure. So, so touching on that feedback aspect, because mm -hmm. I think that's actually really important. So for most entrepreneurs, yes, they might not, right? Like sure. a client says, I'm moving to someone else. They, there's very rarely like a paragraph explanation hmm. or you know what there might be. They're like, your prices are too high. I'm out yeah, there. They're or, not going to give you like a point by point for you sure. Know, sit down and talk with you about it. Yeah. And so how do you, to you, mm -hmm. as someone who's working in kind of like a consultancy firm, working with people, different teams from different organizations, you know, you get, I, I imagine you get feedback both from your clients mm -hmm. um, and from your own internal manager and your peers. Yeah. What, what do you think is the biggest tip that you can give people mm -hmm. on, you know, I don't want to say graciously accepting feedback, but I'll say like mobilizing it, like actually taking it at either face value or for what it's worth to self-improve. 
Yeah, I think it really comes down to accepting that you're not perfect because it's easy to say, oh, that's the way they see it. That's their opinion. You know, everything's relative. But at the end, at the end of the day, if somebody else is seeing something about you, it's always worth, you know, that self-reflection. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really important skill to have is it's often easy to brush something off and say, look, I've been doing it this way. It's working. I don't really care because it's just one person telling you this. Yeah. But nobody's often giving feedback from a place of ill will. Yeah. They're giving you feedback to help you. Right. Nobody's coming after you to give you feedback to make you feel bad about yourself. It's they're trying to help you. So yeah. it's always worth at least trying and considering. Um, I, I always look at it that way. It's just, you know, it's just like anything that you do. Um, even if you're an entrepreneur or you're an employee, try new things. And the best way to try new things is if somebody's telling you to try it, try it for a little bit. If for you sure. don't like it, you can go back to it. No, no problem. But at least you can say, you know, I tried to do that yep. and it didn't work. Yeah. You know, I almost feel like at the same time as well, people who don't want to help you mm. are the exact ones who won't be giving you feedback. Yeah, because they don't care. They don't yeah. care less about you. They don't even know what you're doing. Really. Like they're almost I feel like they're almost setting you up for failure in that aspect. Like they yeah. know, let's say like you have this one really bad, like nervous twitch. Like mm. you're always like, um, I remember this guy and you probably remember this too from our high school. Okay. Um, he always swayed when oh, he did yeah, speeches yeah, yeah, like yeah. back and forth. But I feel like if someone really wanted someone to fail, they wouldn't ever tell him they did that because then like everybody's going to notice that he can't present properly or that he, he has this really annoying tick. Sure. Yeah. Right. Do you find it the same way? Like, yeah, I think I mean, compassion can often be harmful in that in the sense that people think that, oh, I don't want to say anything to hurt his feelings or yeah. any of that. I think it's better to, especially in the workplace, to just give feedback to people. It's like and never rudely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But There's definitely you, like yeah. a right or wrong. Yeah, way. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, you tell somebody, look maybe you know you're like you with com- happens often with emails hey did, have you heard of grammarly you know like i use it it's great um things like that like just offer programs to people or offer that offer it them in a way where it doesn't come off as criticism and where you don't take things as criticism because nobody's criticizing you to hurt you yeah right for sure no absolutely and i think um a i actually thought about grammarly is that like a good program it's awesome like yeah, yeah grammarly okay. is really good to use yeah um especially when you're busy because it kind of highlights all your spelling grammar mistakes quickly and then you can read through your document again but it often takes away a lot of the errors that you know when you're browsing through you won't find okay that's awesome it's i guess it's up it's to be assumed it's better than the spell check function and grammar function it is for specific purposes i i, I think it is because it integrates specifically with microsoft outlook and a lot of the that's like awesome, integral program so it's just quick to use. yeah because i feel like that's something that's important as well for uh for entrepreneurs and like people who are communicating with clients to actually be able to you know accurately and professionally mm-hmm. convey thoughts through emails like it's such a big medium even through text right like you never want to uh get like a you know a linkedin message sure. or like an email that goes like you know ha 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 or like lol i mean there's nothing worse than either text speak when you're talking when you're talking to somebody you don't know or through in a business medium is text speak or you know yeah like bad grammar and spelling because it just shows you didn't really put in the time yeah to talk to me you just kind of wrote the email quickly didn't check it and just sent it to me or they thought it was like they actually thought it was the right thing to do and then you're kind of like "Uh oh yeah which is (laughs) you're kind of suspicious like okay do i trust you to you know write my documents or yeah deal with work with clients like that Yeah. yeah exactly and also on the entrepreneurial side as well, I know you do some work as well with um, vaping and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about that and, and we can see where that goes. Sure. Yeah. We, uh, the company that we started was called 180 Smoke. 
Um, so that's all vaporizers and uh, e-cigarettes and e-juices and, and, you know, the whole shebang there. Yeah. Um, and recently, the company's been expanding. We're moving into marijuana, obviously, because in Canada, it's, it's, gone legal, legal. Yeah. it's gone legal. So trying to set those up. But I didn't have a primary part in kind of, you know, running that. We have our operational CEO and they're also, you know, partners in the business. So um, my aspect was more in terms of learning, you know, how a small business can actually grow yeah. and just seeing the journey um, from a different perspective as most people would see, you know, you see a small company from the outside growing, but I saw it from the inside, like, you know, the logistical challenges, um, things you would never even thought of, like what happens when, you know, and you have to fire an employee, but now you've given them the keys because you've never had to fire anybody before. So you give them the keys to off to, to the office. Now, do you change your locks? How do you get the keys back from this employee? Yeah, I just yeah. weird problems like that that you yeah. would never even thought of. For sure. Right? No, it's awesome. Yeah. So do you think it's important for, and I'm taking the perspective sure. of um, business. And so we just, both of us actually just attended a, a, a conference yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, sorry, two days ago on no, Friday. No, it was Friday, yeah. yeah, yeah. On Friday. And uh, we, we got the opportunity to speak to like some first year, second year business students yeah. as well. And for students who are listening and, and people who might be thinking to start a business, mm-hmm. how important do you think? And I know something that we both spoke about in terms of like volunteering sure. either for consultants or volunteering to help businesses. Mm-hmm. How important do you think that aspect is to be able to actually get people experience when they want to start their own business? Right. Or if let's say an entrepreneur has taken a, a first kick at the can. Mm-hmm their business has failed or it didn't go according to plan. Do you think that volunteering their time to, you know, look at how different businesses run to learn about that stuff is a good opportunity before they try again? Yeah. I think if you, if you have the opportunity to do that, I think it's always good. Like if you can afford it, obviously, if you don't need a job, then um, pro bono consulting or, or helping out volunteering is always a great way to understand how organizations work without having any kind of, you know, skin in the game. Um, and pro bono consulting of, of, often interests, often introduces a lot of strange problems that you wouldn't really see in a lot of firms because they're dealing with really limited budgets, limited resources. Um, so I think it does, it, you know, increases your ability to work in a in a smaller setting, but also deal with problems that you really wouldn't see working at a large firm. Right. Um, awesome. I would say that if you're an entrepreneur or one of those, obviously, you know, if an opportunity comes up that's not volunteering, take it. Because as an entrepreneur, you need to always be looking for the next thing and you don't want to miss an opportunity. Yeah. So I guess building on that, then, what do you think is the biggest? So from a consultant consulting perspective, mm-hmm. as someone who's worked with other businesses and, and kind of seen those grow and as well as watched you know, your own business yeah. grow from a small business to a pretty decent sized mm-hmm. uh, company itself now, what do you think is the biggest tip you would give entrepreneurs in terms of setting them up? For success or kind of like a had i known what i know now back then you know what 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 would you have transplanted now sure. to your to your younger self so i think what really it really comes down to is delegation and trust because as an entrepreneur you're often very driven and you really only trust yourself to do things but relinquishing control of what's essentially your baby is really difficult for some people i find that's where entrepreneurs get caught some people are like they're really good at the ideation or they're really good at this one thing but you're not an all-rounder really no entrepreneur is good at everything and we saw with blackberry right they were great at software but they they just had no ability to do product design right so um so i mean at 180 
the the people that you surround yourself with. So great accountant, great salespeople, great networking people. It's it's the team that builds you. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs kind of they take it on themselves and they think that everybody's their employee where they don't realize at the start of the business, really everybody's your partner. Yeah. Even though they don't have a skin in the game per se, they're still often looking out for you. And I think people lose sight of that. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting, right? Like as much as someone might be your employee mm. as an entrepreneur and you as the entrepreneur might have the greatest exposure to risk like if it goes down yeah. and you kind of go down with it. But just as much, the employee who works for you, if this if this ship yeah. sinks, they don't have a job. Exactly. And day, I mean, right? a lot of people like to be involved in a way that they haven't been before. I mean, most people are naturally curious or driven. And there are people often try to help their, you know, their their local store and, or even as a retail employee. They often it's difficult for them to give feedback to their managers or yeah, to, to the sure. corporation. But here they have a, you know, a direct line to who can make the change. I think it would be a mistake to ignore the resources that, that are available, right? To and ignore advice from people that are actually dealing with customers or dealing with problems that as an owner, you may be too busy or too high level to see. For sure. And and so I guess the last question I'll, I'll sure, ask yeah. before we kind of wrap up, how important do you think retail experience is? Like this is, this is interesting to me because yeah. so we both went to business school mm-hmm. and I feel like we both kind of came from this attitude that retail experience might not actually be very beneficial when you're looking for a professional job. Sure. My view has since changed. I think it's definitely builds a lot of core skills, like speaking with customers, just being able to, in general, like deal with multiple tasks, mm-hmm. often deal with confrontation and a lot of major issues that kind of like come up with the retail. Sure. Um, and, and in the law context, at least the recruiting, what I found uh, people told me and what I had with discussions with lawyers as mm-hmm. well. Sorry, what I found through discussions with lawyers was that retail experience did really help you know, sometimes set apart a resume or if it was a good experience, really helped build out that person's skills from, from, you know, from the perspective I said earlier, right? Customer service and hard work. Do you take that same approach? And do you see that same approach through, I guess, the, uh, the work that you're doing now? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. I mean, retail jobs are often very stressful and you see, I mean, once you, I guess, think once you get out of high school, once you actually meet a lot more people that do have that experience, you kind of realize the stresses that go along with that and that, you know, the work schedule is moving around. You have to manage your own budgets. It's tight. Um, yeah. Dealing with, dealing with multiple customers at once even. So just, I think it is a, a great experience to have. I mean, obviously not everybody can get it. Not everybody has either the opportunity or the time, but I think the skills that you would get out of it are, are invaluable. And a lot of us just kind of gloss over retail, retail yeah. employees, which really does make the experience something different Yeah, because, you know, you go to a store and you say, Oh, well, how hard could they possibly be working? But you have no idea what's going on yeah, behind sure. the scenes. Right. Yeah. But no, I think it's definitely important. No, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think of like some servers, like you think working at McDonald's, some days when mm. I'm walking to the McDonald's near my place, um, whether they just get like get a coffee or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you can look at the like, what's yeah, so hard but about it, this? Oh, like it yeah, gets yeah. busy and they have to crank it out fast. Right. Like that is ridiculous. Like I could not deal with like 60 fryers or something. Like, yeah, it's yeah oil like burns and slippery. Yeah, yeah it's, just, <laughs> like, it's a whole different. Yeah, just like two fryers like screaming at me while the <laughs> stove is like on fire. And like yeah, you got the you got the drive through window buzzing away. And, yeah, and, something yeah, like yeah. that. And like like the ice cream machine's not working. I got to explain to someone why like they can't get ice cream and the coffee's out got to restart that and then the fryers are still screaming at you and the stove is still on fire like yeah no, for sure absolutely but yeah thanks so much for making the time no, and, awesome. uh, thank you and being here yeah definitely uh definitely learned a lot and yeah 
as always, thanks so much for everybody who's tuning in and listening. If you guys have any questions, feel free to uh, reach out, whether in the comments, if you're on SoundCloud or, you know, via Instagram or email. Again, big shout out to our boy Cabby96 for the fire and flame intro and outro beats. He's going to be playing here in a second. Take it easy. Have a good one. And as always, stay creative and keep hustling.